Welcome to the podcast of St. Basil the Great Catholic Church in Brecksville, Ohio, with homilies, talks, and interviews relevant to your Catholic faith. God bless you and enjoy. Almost Deacon Rob. Hello. How are you doing, Tom? We just started. (laughs) (laughs) We won't tell people what we were just talking about. It was homemade (laughs) wing flavors, including a peanut butter and jelly buffalo wing. Which turned out to be... Garbage. Straight garbage. (laughs) Do not try this at home. Definitely don't try it. All right. So big, big days coming up for you. Yeah. What is that? Nine days out in ordination on Saturday the 6th. Uh, Then I find out my assignment right after ordination. And then back here on the 7th for my Mass of Thanksgiving. Uh, And I think I've gotten more questions in the last, I don't know, maybe 10 days. How are you feeling? Yeah. Are you nervous? Are you excited? Mm-hmm. I think a little bit of everything, uh, that the whole gamut of emotions. I'm yeah. a little nervous, a little excited. Yes. Uh, <laughs> just In case you have it. no idea what Rob's talking about, Rob Blackburn is from our parish, St. Basil. Been here a long time. Young guy, beard, nice family, bunch of kids, and he's going to be ordained to the permanent diaconate in just a little over a week. So what does that mean for life changes for you? Oh, nothing. Everything will be the same. Really? <laughs> no. Oh. Um, I am unsure of what it's going to really mean for my life. Um, <clears throat> well, the thing I have to remember is that, you know, my my marriage and my family is my first vocation. Uh, the diaconate will be my second vocation and okay. thereafter. Um, but I and think, that's the way it's supposed to be. And that's for the way it's supposed deacons. to be. Yes, that's the way it's supposed to be. Um, so I think it'll be interesting where I go, where I get assigned. Um, kind and of you where, don't find out till after? Till after. Like a few minutes after Mass is over. So after we process out, um, after being ordained, we go to the bishop's parlor. And we're parlor. I think it's a parlor. Is that like a barber shop? What is a yeah. there's a quartet there and the everything. Ice cream so. parlor? <laughs> Sounds awesome. I don't know. Maybe it says dining room. I've been there before. I always called it the bishop's parlor. Parlor. Okay. I don't know. And so that's where we are uh, handed a where we're a letter where we're assigned. And sometimes the uh, the pastor of that parish will be there. So when you walk in, you kind of know. Mm. So we'll see who I see there. But there's six of us being ordained. So that's cool. Is that a big class? Or... Small class? Normal? Uh, recently, it's been pretty big. Uh, going back. Um, two deacons, one deacon, three deacons, and four deacons. Uh, oh, yeah. In the so past couple six years, is so good. Six good. Uh, there's six up next year, too, so it'll be two big classes in a row. If they, God willing, I'll go through it and get ordained. Um, So, yeah. So, I mean, depending on where I go and how many masses will be there, how many ministries are involved, mm-hmm. and uh, kind of what they where I'm assigned, where the pastor thinks my services and my skills and Everything will yes. be put to the best use. Your many skills. So many skills. Nunchuck skills, both that skills. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what are the skills a deacon needs or hopefully has? Oh, that's a good question. I think that every like we're all called differently. Like my classmates and I are so different on a lot of on a lot of issues, a lot of aspects and of hmm. life. And so I think it just, you know, those guys who are called to the diaconate, permanent diaconate, are just called to be themselves you know they're men of faith you know men of the spirit and they're just called to act and serve that way 
And so I'm going through and knowing many deacons in my life, I'm not called to be them. I'm called to be Deacon Rob. So mm-hmm. I think one of the skills is just, I think a reverence for a reverence for God first and foremost, and just kind of going forward, just have this heart of a servant. And I think that's really the basis of where we can all find a similarity. Whether that leads to homeless ministry, jail ministry, marriage ministry, praying with people who are dying ministry, uh, marrying people ministry, yeah. baptism, baptism ministry, yeah. preaching. Yeah, that scares me. I don't want to talk about that right now. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even want to talk about talking. No, it's just, I don't know. So there's like, so you kind of touched on it, you know, that we can witness marriages, deacon, deacons can baptize, preside at funerals, uh, viaticum to the dying, you know, run word and communion services to those that are homebound or at care services. So there's a lot. And then one of the aspects of it is that we are able to preach. Uh And so, you know, one of the things that Catholics believe, we believe in sacred scripture and tradition. Right on. And so we learned in our homiletics class last year that every homily enters in a sacred tradition. So if that doesn't scare people if they're going to give a homily. It... <laughs> mm, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, right? Okay, yeah. <laughs> so like there's that whole aspect of it. I mean, I used to be really afraid of talking in front of people, and that's gone away significantly. But I think there's that still nervousness, like what is it going to look like? Like how am I going to react? You don't mm-hmm. know until you do it. So Yeah, but you've practiced. Yeah, but my practice is usually at mass that we liturgies on Saturday and Wednesday nights at the at the CPL where at max it's like 50 people. Okay. So I think depending on the parish it might be a little bit more, maybe a little bit. So 50 people doesn't scare you, but no. 70. You, oh, and I don't want to talk about 75. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Could you imagine? Forget triple digits. <laughs> I'm going to have a panic attack just thinking about triple Did digits. you, uh, <laughs> what about like public speech classes in high school or college? Did you dread those? No, we never Did you ha- skip them? I, I never had them. What? Yeah, I never had You never do- had a speech class in high school? I don't think so. I don't really remember high school. That's a long time ago now. <laughs> I don't, oh, I don't want to say. speech class in high school was <laughs> so funny. There was one class where the, uh, you had to do a demonstration speech. Okay. Like demonstrate a process. Okay. I did how to tie a tie. I put probably 30 hours into prep because I made these mannequins <laughs> and took different pictures on a, sl- like with a slide camera, slide film. So slide projector of people around town, supposedly all with to- terribly tied ties. Okay. <laughs> so there's like a guy raking leaves. It's a mannequin in my backyard that I had to prop up. He's raking leaves with this t- terribly torn, t- terribly tied tie. It's just a big knot. I'm like, look at this guy. And then I just go through, I had a, like 12 or 14 slides, a car mechanic, you know, like this mannequins under the hood of uh, of a car, like working on stuff. And he's got a tie on. It's like, why would these people? And then I showed how to tie a tie. But this one kid, Matt, he was like, I'm going to show you how to use fireworks. So he shows this video. He pulls out the TV cart. He made a video and he sticks uh, some fireworks. Uh, he t- like ties them to a stuffed animal frog on a stump and blows them up. You know, he talked about 
like the wick, run away. You know, that's basically the whole speech. And then he shows another one. Okay. (laughs) And he's like, here's the next thing we're going to blow up. And it's another frog on the stump. And this is a VHS tape, right? And so we're watching it. And then all of a sudden, the whole class gasps all at once because you see like the throat part of this stuffed animal (laughs) frog move. And we're like, that's not a stuffed animal. So somehow he literally shoved fireworks into a real frog's mouth and like strapped it to a stump and blew it up. And the teacher, when he saw that, he flipped out. He just starts screaming. He didn't know what to say. He's just like, (laughs) you you fail. You get an F. He didn't know what to do. And it was, it was... Really the highlight of my life. That was the turning point in my faith journey. So let's talk about faith. Everything else after that. Faith. Wait, hold on. A couple of questions. Did PETA get involved? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh-uh. And do you still have your slide projections with all the mannequins? I do. I would like to see that. I do. Have the, I still have the slides. I just need a slide projector. You can find one. Yeah. Okay. So back to the turning point in your life, because I just shared mine. <laughs> um, whence was it? Oh, um... Looking back, there's been a lot of things that were pushing me in the right direction, but it wasn't until I went through Christ News's Parish that really kind of turned me on that. Felt like I was more of a lapsed Catholic until then, kind of not taking it seriously. And then that was my first real retreat would be Christ News's Parish when I went through. And like in your life? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I remember going like kind of like high school for confirmation and stuff, those little retreats. Yeah. But at the same time, it wasn't until like that was the big one. And then I realized like, you know, hearing stories from different guys, like real stories, like real life, like, oh my goodness, this is really happening. This really happened to someone and how does it affect my life? And I realized that it was just not the right place. Like I was not in a good place. Um, although seemingly like happy and there's, you know, a major gap that was missing and that was my faith. And so after that, I was like, oh, okay, let's turn this around. And it was almost... I don't want to say immediate, but it was pretty quick, kind of like um, almost like a Paul St. Paul conversion. Knocked mm. off a horse, and I was like, well, you know, you see the error in your ways, and you're like, I got to fix this. I got to fix it wow. quick. And uh, I went from that. I went to, found out, got a spiritual director. I was like, got to turn this around. I went to adoration all the time, and it was within adoration. I was like, oh, okay. I'm kind of having this little nudge and this thought in my head, you should go to the diaconate. You should be a de- I want you to be a deacon. Mm-hmm. And I immediately turned that off. <laughs> Flip that, that was meant was for like, the other guy, yeah, the older guy. Next, I to looked me. around. I was the only one in there. I was like, "We well, can't meet me, right?" <laughs> so that was kind of the big moment. That was the big, uh oh, I'm not doing this right, kind of moment. And then it kind of, as you said, all went downhill from there. So you're a big fan of retreats then, I imagine. I am. And their power. And their power. I've had uh, a lot of good ones. Don't you have a big retreat or did you do a big retreat? I just got home on Tuesday. So two days. uh, So I left uh, Friday afternoon, um, went down to Loyola the Lakes or Loyola Retreat Center down in Green, just south of Akron. And I was down there till Tuesday afternoon. (laughs) So what's that? Five day retreat? Yep. And And what uh, do you do? Um... We were kind of, it's our ordination retreat. And so our retreat director was saying, you know what? Just exhale. This is your time. You know, five years of formation. 
uh, all this stuff. You don't even know what's going to happen when you go into ministries in the next couple of weeks. So this yeah. is your chance just to just sit, be quiet, pray, and just enjoy what this retreat is. Yeah. So it's, it's mostly a, a silent retreat? No, it was not a silent retreat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but it was only a couple sessions, like probably two or three sessions a day. Okay. Where we'd meet with the retreat director. And then all the other times it was just, you know, guys getting together, having breakfast, lunch, and dinner, going for, you know, walking around the campus, praying, holy hours, mm-hmm. mass every day. So it was a, it was a nice time. What was the nice general <clears throat> feeling or sense or words you got from the Lord from that retreat? It was kind of this feeling of you're, you're where I want you to be, but you still have no idea what I want you to do, like fully. And just and you yeah. were like, uh, that's your fault for yeah. not telling me. <laughs> I try not to say those kind of things in <laughs> yeah, prayer anymore because then not. I, you know, end up in the diaconate program. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was a it just this uh, overall feeling of just peace. This is where I'm supposed to be, and just kind of let it happen. Like, just be who I'm calling you to be. Yeah. So it was a good one. It was a good retreat. <laughs> awesome. You know, I feel. You know, I feel bad for Allie. She was home with the five kids for those five days. Five days, yeah. That was a lot. So I half expected when I got home on Tuesday for just to take the keys out of my hand and just leave for a couple of days. But she didn't. So <laughs> awesome. Well, she must be a, a very supportive person, like all all deacon wives, right? Yeah, and she is. She's been uh, just super supportive of my whole my whole formation and just praying with me a lot going through all my class works, reading my papers. Um, but, it, you know, we always joke because at any moment she could have called the director of formation and said, you know, it's too much for him, too much for our family. He needs to be removed. Yeah, and, so it's really a joint yeah. venture. And, like, the crazy part is, like, she's, like, you know, held that card, as we say, for five years because at any point cause she just said, you know, it's too much. And then it never would have got back that it was her because – that would just cause too much of a rift in a marriage, mm, knowing that's mm-hmm, what it was. So, mm-hmm. so now I, you know, I'm really thankful for just the sacrifices that she's given up and just being able to hold down the fort, so to speak, as I go out and do all this stuff for formation. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, a lot of blessings there mm-hmm. in the family and in the program and in, in the retreats and hearing the Lord's voice. So what do you hope to give to the world? What do you believe you can offer the church? Well, you said it wasn't going to be any hard questions, so <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm um, I think it's just a, a witness of a life of faith, of our ultimate. You know, we always talk about Mary's fiat, her saying yes, and I, you know, I don't think it's as grand as that, but it's still the same thing. It's still our fiat. It's our yes to what God is calling us to do in our lives, and I think just having a witness of of having that, you know. Like having someone who's like really dove in like head first to what God was calling them to do, saying yes, and then just realizing like how much better off their life is hmm. and how much more, you know, prayerful, how much more faithful they can be, you know, going through something that really just challenges and just promotes this growth. So I yeah. think that would be a first and foremost. And then to see wherever I go, um, hey, he's a younger guy. He's got five kids and he went through this program. Like maybe, maybe it's not that hard to do. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that, but <laughs> <laughs> there's definitely challenge. But, you know, just to be open, like, oh, you know what? Maybe this is something that I can, you know, 
Maybe just send a call downtown. Maybe, you know, go talk to them. Yeah. Figure out who we can talk to and trying to figure out what this might mean for our lives. What would you say you've learned about prayer or grown in prayer since you are uh, in taking on diaconate formation for the past five years? That's a major part of it is regular consistent prayer and what kind of prayer is that what does the church ask of you ask you to pray in a certain way huh it does uh, you know when we are during the ordination right we're asked to pray the liturgy of the hours morning prayer and evening prayer every day and you know that's the structure of it but i think deeper there's just something else that really kind of opens up when you realize how much more your life is led by the spirit when you you know dive really deep into prayer. Hmm. And so the two really important things I think I've learned about prayer is one you know just got to you got to do it. You know there's no no sense in trying to put it off. It's the most important thing and then just not to stop. Like you just keep doing it. And then the other part would be there's no real but minus the our father obviously but a perfect prayer. And so when people ask you to pray with them or pray over them, it's not, oh, I'll pray for you. Yeah, I can do that. But it's to really just sit there and just pray with somebody. Right there. And that doesn't mean like, oh, I got to find the right words, the exact words to say. It's just being there. And, you know, a lot of times less is better. Just a couple words, just quiet your heart and just kind of go into it. Yeah. I think those are the two most important things because I was really, I really struggled with like, oh my, if someone asked me to pray over them, what am I going to do? I got to have these like rote prayers. I got to be ready. I got to right. be ready. Oh, I got to pray for this and pray for that. It's gotta just sound nice. I need to babble like a Pharisee. <laughs> yeah. But th that's what you don't want to do either. Right. So it's just that, uh, just quieting your heart and mind and just letting, being led by the spirit and just realize that it's just the moment is most important. Not really so much the words, but it's, the, yeah. you know, where your heart is, that compassion, that, that love and that mercy with someone else. That reminds me of me <laughs> because because <laughs> I made a video a few years ago called What is the Perfect Prayer? And you said it right there. You said the Our Father, which catechism does call the Our Father the perfect prayer. And then I talked about some other kinds of prayer that are perfect, but <clears throat> or maybe you an argument could be made that they're perfect. Um, is it your argument that they're one perfect? of those? <laughs> no, I was just putting forth possibilities for what is the perfect prayer. This is Tommy's perfect prayer here. <laughs> but at the end, I ended up right where you did too, that the perfect prayer is the one that's prayed right now. Yeah. Because so often when it's put off, it ends up not happening at all. Yeah. And too, like, how many times have, uh, I'm very guilty of this. Someone says, you know, I need prayers for this or for that. Oh, I'll pray for you. I can do that. Why does it? Have, I mean, yes, pray. Continue to pray for that person and pray for intercessions for that person and whatever their needs are. But it's in that moment that they might not be ready for it, and you might not be ready. But how important it is to really show that? Yes, I'm going to pray, but we're going to pray right now. We're going to pray mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. So yeah, those are yeah, that big one that can take people aback, but it's also beautiful to see that witness happening. I was just listening. Or I was talking to somebody last week and they met someone they know or they ran into someone they know at the post office and <clears throat> they started talking and then all of a sudden he's just like, can I pray over you right now? And she's like, uh, okay. And they're at that island in the post office, like where you write down the address <laughs> you're sending to and the line goes right by that island, right? And it's quiet and 
it's like at Marks and Giant, like some of these stores, there's a TV in the in the cashier lane, right? It's like, why do you need a TV in the cashier lane? And the one place you really want one is like at the post office because you're <laughs> like, man, I'm here so long and it's so quiet. And, you know, is. but anyways, uh, everybody could hear this prayer going on. And, uh, and it was a, a nice evangelizational witness there. Um, Did you join in? Put your hand on the person. Would you do that? If you were just in I wasn't line? there. No, I'm saying, but if you were, would you have? Oh, in line? Yeah. If you're in line, oh, it oh, says, can I yeah. pray over you? I, I, I don't know that person? I do the shoulder thing, but I put my hand over, you yeah. know? When we uh, when we took, um, <laughs> I don't know why it's turning into Tommy story time. Sorry. <laughs> but when we took Who's teenagers. <laughs> When we took teenagers to Life Teen Leadership Conference in Atchison, Kansas, Benedictine College, it's a 17-hour bus ride, okay? Every year we take a group. And back when I was a youth minister, on the bus ride home, you know, it's 17 hours. And so everybody's revved up. They were just on this week-long retreat. And I'm like, all right, at the rest stop, when we all get out for lunch, like your job is to ask someone if you can pray for them. But right now we're going to pray for the Lord reveal to you who that's going to be. Okay. So we stop for an hour. It's one of these big eateries. And so the teenagers, to their great credit, are very bold. And one guy, he just goes and sits at a booth at, uh, uh, at this restaurant where we were waiting with this just old lady who's sitting there by herself. And he just sits down and is like, hey, can I sit with you for a minute? pray for you. And so he's totally praying with this lady in the restaurant. And then other people were praying for people inside Walmart. And then one kid, he he was sort of putting it off. He's like, I don't know who I'm supposed to pray for, God. Who is this? So he goes to the bathroom and he <laughs> is in the stall and another guy's in the stall next to him and sounds like he's having a real rough time. Okay. <laughs> and so this kid, his name is Tim in our youth group. And he knows who St. Timothy is because everybody sort of knows the patronage of the namesake saint. So Tim is just like, uh, you doing okay over there? <laughs> to this random guy who he's never met nor seen, only heard. And the guy's like, no, I'm not, not doing okay. And so Tim's like, want me to pray for you? <laughs> <laughs> and the guy's like, sure. So he did a, Stall to stall prayer in the bathroom, praying to St. Timothy. Why? Because St. Timothy just so happens to be, through divine providence, the patron saint of like stomach issues. Whoa. Yeah. No coincidence. Isn't the Lord funny? So, <laughs> yeah, I have prayed with uh, some people out in public like that. One time I went up to a guy in Lowe's. He didn't even look at me. He was like looking at what like bolts or screws he was going to buy. And I'm like, hey, man, can I pray for you? And he's just like, nope. <laughs> and he just kept looking for what he wanted. He's like, nope, no way. And I was like, okay, bye. <laughs> so I, It was a good effort. I went away with my tail between my legs <laughs> there. So what are the promises? <laughs> you like my transitions? They are, there aren't any. Yeah, there's no such thing. It's as just a from a ridiculous story back to the real you. Wait, here's a question: When does this air? Uh, probably never. Okay, that's great. Yeah, it's I just for our own fun. I'm just you didn't even turn it on, did you? 
I never know if I hit the buttons right. <laughs> a little I see mix, a lot of red lights. Little mixing Sometimes board that's with flashing bad. lights. Sometimes that means record. Ooh. Well, no, it's going to air very soon. All right. Yeah. Because it was going to air like after next weekend. No, it's so not. I could talk about, hey, this is where I'm going. No. Uh-uh. Okay. It's going to be before that. Okay. Yeah. Because you don't even know where you're going. That's true. Right. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <clears throat> so the promises a deacon makes. Okay. How many are there? Five. Are there? Five? There's five. Whoa. You know them? Uh-oh. <laughs> we were told, yeah, we'll learn them, uh, you know, when we go through. So there's like, do you promise to obedient, be obedient to me and my successors, as the bishop would say? Yeah. Uh, I do. And there's there's four of them. And then there's one more where the answer is a little bit different, but it's still another promise. So there's five. And I don't know all of them. I know that one. One of them's prayer, though. One of them's prayer. So like joining yeah. to the prayer of the church. Mm-hmm. And then obedience to the bishop and his successors. Yeah. So, so I think, you know, thinking about that is uh, someone once told me, <clears throat> I forget who, that uh, what an ultimate sign of obedience to the bishop is that you don't know where you're going to be assigned until after ordination. Yeah, totally. Like, oh, when you put it that way, you're like, that makes sense. That told, yeah. Yeah. Right on. Which is crazy. Yeah. Because you could go anywhere in the diocese. Anywhere in the diocese. Yeah. It would, it's, uh, they said I would stay pretty close to the house. Yeah, so, since marriage is your first vocation. Yeah, and you got five little kids. They don't want me hauling five little kids out to like Divine Word in Kirtland <laughs> you know, yeah. every every weekend for stuff or, you know, yeah. around. Right on. Yeah. Oh, that is so exciting. It is. Also, like, kind of uh, makes me a little nervous. Yeah. Because you're like, all right, this is like a whole new, like a new transition in your life. You know, you went from, you know, Rob, now I'm Deacon Rob. Right, And so there's relationships that like, this is all going to mix together and what's that mm. going to like? How are you going to navigate all those relationships and how are you going to kind of figure out what it means to be, you know, an ordained minister of the church, but also be dad at home. Yeah. And then also be, you know, go out and witness a marriage, but then to go home and live out your marriage, you know, so beautifully as I have already done my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to make your wife not refer to you as Rob Sweetie, but Deacon Rob it's Sweetie? Deacon Rob Sweetie. Interesting. We haven't just, like, you know, Honey Deacon Rob or, you know, we haven't really decided. Holy Deacon Rob. Holy, yeah, the holiest of Deacon Robs. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So we'll see. Uh, well, some people like to joke, they'll say like, oh, you guys going to call him Deacon Dad to the kids? And they're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to call him Dad. Still going to call him you. <laughs> yeah. Hey, guy, <laughs> give me my dinner. <laughs> when you're ordained. Something happens to your soul, right? Yeah. There's an actual soul change. Yeah, an ontological change. Oh, baby. Which is, I put that one off. I heard it early on in formation, mm -hmm. and then I was like, that's too scary to think about. That's a little bit scary. So I kind of backburned it. Like I do a lot of things, I think, when it comes to, <laughs> you know. So I'll put that on. I won't think about that. And then it came up maybe a month ago. I was having coffee with a deacon friend of mine. And he goes, yeah, there's an ontological change. Yeah. Your, your soul has changed. And Allie yeah. brings that up. You're going to be a different, like a different soul. And yeah. I was like, on, the, on the level of being, part of the essence of your soul is going to be changed in a permanent way. So even though you're learning skills, 
about preaching and liturgical skills and how to assist at the altar and all these pastoral skills. It's not just about doing a job or filling out functions or completing tasks. Like you're going to be a bit of a different person. Not totally, but you're going to be more configured to Christ. Yeah. And you have no idea what that's going to be like. No. Because you haven't gotten <laughs> that change before. Yeah. Now we all get that, get it, a, an ontological change at baptism. Mm -hmm. But this one is obviously a whole nother sacrament. Yeah. Yeah. So you, I mean, that's another, an element mark that you get baptism, confirmation. It can only happen once. And here you are. Right. Hey. But like there's graces that are involved too, or else we wouldn't be able to be something different. Yeah. And I think that is really what I'm going to rely heavily on <laughs> as a big crutch, you know, those graces, because you don't know what it's going to be like. And so you just kind of add on to, you know, the person you've already been, but you're just different. <laughs> mm -hmm. And you're going to have a new, new authorities as well. I know some of the priest friends I know, they, they can sense something is different in their priesthood when the change is made to be a pastor. Hmm. They can they they just sense it. They can feel it. Now that's not uh, an ontological change, but it is a change that carries with it some juridical faculties and yeah. authority and and some power, but also the grace. So, yeah, they feel much more the the father of the community. Yeah. Something going on there. So you know, in a couple of weeks, we'll we'll talk again, and I'll let you know. What, yeah. what those graces and what those changes really feel like. Yeah. You know, we ref we reflected a little bit on our retreat about, you know, the, the sacraments. Here we are, you know, we're going to have to, we're going to, you know, we're the herald of the gospel. That's what deacons are called, right? Because they're the ones hmm. who proclaim the gospel at mass. Yes. And they can preach. And so we were thinking about like, really what this means. And you think about, you know, how many people are on the earth? You know how many, roughly? Oh, yeah, it's approaching 8 billion, right? Yeah. Now, how many Catholics are there? Mm, one billion? I, I don't know the answer. Billion two? Okay. Right. So, of those, of those, how many are male? You break it down a little further. What uh, percent are uh -huh. priests? Right. And then you say, like, or, you know, who can preach the gospel or who can give a homily? Yeah. And then who of them can get married? So you think about this tiny percentage of somebody yes, like that can do all that. And then that just kind of feels weighty. Like, man, that's, that's some pressure. So when people always say like, oh, you can do it like, oh. Yeah, herald of the gospel. Yeah. That's, that's no small deal. Yeah. And you get to receive all seven sacraments. How many people can say that? Sure. Yes. Yeah. Hopefully I can live up to that. Yeah. I've already done so expertly well in all the others. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what can people pray for you for? Oh, mm, I think I've just been a big believer in the past probably two years, three years that like what effect praying to the Holy Spirit has. Yes. So definitely just intercession for the Holy Spirit that I'm able to live out this new life, this new, this new like part of my life that's going to, like you said, change the soul and how I can just reach the most people I can that God wants me to reach. And just to be the best deacon that God is calling me to be. Um, yeah. I think that would be the first and foremost. Yeah. And if you see Deacon Rob around, 
He's here to serve. Yeah. So even if you're at a different parish, I don't know, people can still put you aside and be like, hey, pray for me. And then you're going to be like, let's do it right now. They will. And they'll be like, and oh, I'll wait. My, uh. And I'll say, is there any to put my hands on your shoulders? Great. That's what we're going to do. And head down, <laughs> hands on the shoulders and really get into it. Yeah. Probably some tears, you know. Yeah. You cry a lot. I do. I'm a big. But I'm a, the beard catches I'm a them. major weeper. You know, I try to grow my beard out enough that I can just wipe my, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, let's pray to the Holy Spirit right that now. Sounds good. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created. You shall renew the face of the earth. Holy Spirit, teach us to pray. Holy Spirit, author of the Bible, please make the scriptures come alive for us. Holy Spirit, your seven gifts, please bring them into our lives. Unleash the power of the sacrament of our confirmation so that we can have wisdom, understanding, knowledge, fortitude, counsel, piety, and fear of the Lord. And Holy Spirit, sometimes you're the hardest to pray to or the hardest to have an image of compared to the Father and Jesus the Son, but sometimes uh, that's because you just love to work in the background. You just love to humbly work from the ground up, slowly, in one human heart at a time. Thank you for the times you've done that in Rob's life and in mine and in the lives of our parishioners. Stay at work. Finish the good work you've begun. Set our lives ablaze. Anything else? Yeah. Heavenly Fathers, we come before you. We are thankful for all you do for us and bestow upon us. We're thankful for the ministries that I've been involved with, are going to be involved with, that you just reach out to those that we're going to minister to, reach out to those that hear your word, and we just ask for peace being upon them as they live their lives growing closer to you, and we just thank you. We just come before you, we just thank you for just everything. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, help us feel the embrace of your merciful arms. And St. Basil the Great, pray for us. Pray for us. Thank you, Rob. Soon to Thanks, be Deacon Abby. Rob. Thanks yes. for your yes. My fiat. Yes. You see, now you know Latin, all that. See, like one of the things I really am starting to love is like the etymology of things. Like, mm -hmm. what is the Greek? What is the word that's used here? What's the Latin here? Yeah. Why does it mean a little bit different? What can it, how can we go deeper? And then I just sound like a big nerd. So I tried not to do that. I'm like, <laughs> no, football, school, let's go. <laughs> But do you know where the word football comes from? Um, no. Soccer. No, I don't know. Hmm. Um, I know where touchdown comes from. Okay, well, how? Touchdown, touchdown Jesus. Comes, yeah. They at Notre from, Dame. Yeah. They kind of covered that up with Atlantis renovation, renovations. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, actually, touchdown comes from rugby, which was a sport way before football. To score in rugby, you have to touch the ball down in the end zone, in the scoring area. So huh. just turned into touchdown for football. They just steal everything from people. Yeah. Right on. Yeah.
Let's go get some wings. Yeah. (laughs) We hope you enjoyed this audio from our parish. You can find other homilies, talks, and interviews at our website, basilthegreat.org, or by subscribing to this podcast in your favorite app. Just search for St. Basil Catholic Church, Brexville. St. Basil the Great, pray for us.